0: Countdown for blast off. X minus five, four, three, two, X minus one, fire. And welcome to another episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Edwards, and with me, of course, the worm unattractiveness to my walking without rhythm, Mr. Robert Lundgren, how you doing?
1: Hello, hello.
0: Yeah almost had me there. I
1: know, I heard that. I heard that. It was,
0: was a moment, but I pulled it in. I brought it in. Yeah. Like Paul Atreides hanging from the side side of the Ornithopter. Just brought it back in.
1: You know what? Gina's actually been reading that book. Yes. And uh, she informed me she was listening to the last episode. And uh, she started getting tickled pink because uh, she, you know, didn't know anything about the game. But when we were talking about, you know, the Fremen and the Landstrat and all that, she's like, I know what those are. <laughs> yes. Is she enjoying it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We, we, we've been talking about it. You know, we've got our own opinions We're we're not as in love with it as you are. I think, I think, I think Dune's one of those things for certain people where if you read Dune when it was relatively new, it was groundbreaking, but I think other people have come along and, you know, inhabited that space since then, and people have done it better and worse. One thing Gina is complaining about, though, is, is uh, the, uh, it's like this future, but women are still very second-class citizens, and she's kind of griping about that, and I get. Yeah,
0: that's a fair gripe. It is certainly a product of its time.
1: And I mean, I get it. It's supposed to be feudalism and whatnot, but. I don't know. I can't wait for her to get to the last line that uh, uh, Chani says. No, Jessica says to Chani at the end of the book, which we will not spoil here. Tell me when she gets
0: there. I want to hear her thoughts. She can text (laughs) me, actually. Tell her to text me if she ever wants to talk Dune. I can talk Dune all
1: day. You know what? You know what? Uh, I'll probably forget, but she'll hear this in the podcast, so that'll be fair. (laughs) There you go. Fair enough moving right along as always let's go ahead and get our
0: episode started with a big old thank you to our patrons over at patreon you guys are helping us keep the lights on and the servers humming and the questionable life choices we make on air happening
1: and jonathan happy national be a good neighbor day uh hold hold, hold on a second i gotta open this window hey you okay good check i thought that was a real (laughs) aside but no no you went for a joke (laughs) oh
0: no that was not real that was just me giving you something to edit and making it funny for the good neighbor. that
1: was the, the yuck yucks I get it I get it uh, like a good neighbor State, State Farm is, Farm is there Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, it was started in the early 1970s by Becky Matson of Lakeside Montana and uh, was ratified by President Jimmy Carter in 1978 under Proclamation 4601 so there you go uh, they suggest, uh, you know, giving out a pie, just saying hello, you know, doing, you know, do, doing something nice for the neighbors. You know, what you will
0: about Jimmy Carter's political career, but man, that guy has spent the latter half of his life just helping people. And you know what? That's okay by me. So I'm not at all surprised that he would sign something like this into uh, creation.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. But, you know, I mean, he couldn't stay president forever. He had that peanut farm. That was such a scandal, you know?
0: So scandalous. So yeah. scandalous. Certainly nothing in modern history, certainly nothing in the last forty years has come close to the I know. can
1: farm. you imagine a president owning a peanut farm and all of the policies that he could use to make that peanut farm all of the money? That'd be a oh it's a travesty. It's a travesty. Yeah. Just a travesty. Yeah. Well wow, we're we're getting danger dangerously close to politics here, so let's move along. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Are you saying that we should impeach this conversation?
1: I'm saying we should go positive podcast. And I don't know a rant about politics that doesn't – I'm really tired. So I completely lost my train of thought because I was about to say doesn't not do that. But I'm like, wait a minute. That's I think a political
0: sentence. discussions, it's safe to say, are not – in the spirit of Good Neighbor Day, my friend.
1: That, there you go. I'm going to go with that. I'm going to go with there that. There you go. Yeah, making it
0: topical. Bringing it around. Bring yeah, it around.
1: yeah. That's, that's, how, that's, that's how we're rolling. That's that's why you're the host and I'm the co-host. I, I don't have that in me.
0: All right. Well, that means it's time for our first segment, and that is, of course, our off-the-shelf segment. This is where we talk about all the wonderful things that we've had off of our shelves, onto our tables and or screens, because this is COVID time and that's a thing, and most importantly, into our hearts. Where do you want to get started today, bud?
1: I have so much stuff, although a lot of it is not long. I don't know. Take your pick. I got a lot of video games and movies and TV, so. You
0: you got a lot of movies and TV, which I have not had a chance to do. So let's go ahead and get there. I kind of have two things,
1: kind of have five. How do you want to split that up?
0: Um, So, yeah, I got two things. You got two things. Um, Yeah, Ted Lasso, continuing to watch it. It's the best show on television currently. It's heartwarming. It's hysterical. Uh, There hasn't been an episode this season where I haven't cried for at least 30 seconds. It's ridiculous that it does that to me. But my God, that show is so in touch with with feelings like it's amazing. It's a treasure. If you're not watching it, go watch it. It's worth five dollars.
1: All right. All right. Well, uh, I'll I'll talk the wife into uh, into getting that.
0: Just, I mean, season two is almost over. Wait for season two to finish, then you can watch seasons one and two. And while you're at it, you can watch For All Mankind.
1: Yeah, we got like a month break between uh, uh, Lower Decks and uh, the new season of Discovery. So we can retire the Paramount Plus for a month and do that.
0: Yeah, but it's the best show on TV. It's, it's the best show maybe of my lifetime. I would go as far as to say that.
1: Wow, that's a bold statement.
0: There's been a lot of good TV and a lot of good drama. But what's amazing about this is that it covers both comedy and drama equally and fantastically. Mm. And it's 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 a treasure. It's a it's a treasure.
1: So I don't know if you noticed, but a little preview dropped over the last two weeks for uh, the new Matrix movie. And uh, yeah,
0: I might have watched it six or 30,000 times.
1: Yeah, I, I only watched it three times, but it made me want to watch the trilogy again because I actually had never sat through the final movie all the way through. Really? Yeah, yeah. Well, it it was on. I don't. Know, I I've watched bits of it. I I heard it was bad, and you know, I I just never was terribly interested in it. And uh, but you know, I'm older now. Also, I've already had the ending explained to me, so I wanted to see how they got there. Blah blah blah. Uh. Anyway, and you know what? Because I'm a terrible parent, I decided to let my my daughter watch too, because it's rated R. And what? 10-year-old doesn't deserve to see a rated R movie. Almost 10-year-old, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: I-, I gotta say, of all the movies that you and I talk about, this is one of those ones where, legitimately, I'm not 100% sure why it's rated R.
1: Oh, I get it. It's it's violent and there's blood. I mean, it's not a hard R by any stretch. Yeah, but, I mean, for God's sakes, like, look at some of the PG-13 crap that
0: came out in the 80s. Yeah, yeah. For, I mean, like, hello, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Well, they
1: didn't, they didn't have Dude's PG-13, like, like yeah but that got a pg not an r i don't think r existed for raiders it lost. didn't
0: it didn't it's the reason that pg-13 right. came into existence but what i'm saying is like if raiders can get a pg-13 or a pg and never cross into r like matrix is tame by comparison
1: Nah, true i bet you it's the guns and whatnot i i, I like again not a hard R, so i i didn't really care um and and one and one rave and awkward sex scene in the second one which is Yes, awkward rave and awkward sex scene. Actually, they are both awkward. Anyway, I don't know. Those movies actually aged well. I was really surprised. Like, uh, they a, do. They age very well. Like a lot of the a lot of the stuff is just still kind of relevant, you know, because it's cyberpunk and it's fighting the man. And you know, I guess the man still exists. And and the internet as a sinister force is a lot more plausible these days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if anything, we've actually moved closer to it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's also weird, you know, because they talk about reality being a simulation and they get into all that. And that's been a very I don't know. There's just a lot of like, you know, thought in the nerdy zeitgeist that you can draw lines to that movie uh, directly. It's just it's interesting. And, you know, I get what they were doing at the end. Like having I've had the end explained to me and all the pieces were there, but they did not set up that ending well, um, just because I know a lot of people that didn't get what was going on. And I, and it's like, they just didn't set it up right. And my wife was complaining about it and I had to explain it to her. And she's like, oh, that makes sense. I'm like, yeah, it would have been nice if they explained that better in the actual movie. But yeah, for those of you who don't know, because it's an old movie, so spoiler alert or whatever, but I'm going to just say it anyway. Yeah, I think coming up
0: on the 20 year anniversary, you're
1: good. Yeah, the uh, what happens is Neo's plan was Neo knew. That Smith could take over people. And Neo is connected to the source, which is why you could see, because basically he has a Wi-Fi signal to the matrix or to the, the computers. And so he got plugged directly into the source, and they mentioned that the source is where programs go to get deleted. And so when Neo connected himself to the source and Smith took him over, it allowed the source to directly de- delete Smith. And that's how that's how he won. And then a lot of people are like, But the the robots didn't lose. And it's like, you know, that was never the promise. The promise was the war would end, not that one side would win over the other. They both still exist. So and I've got my cockamamie theories about what's going to happen in the second movie or second, fourth movie, whatever, whatever. I I, I think there's going to be a flip. I think the machines are going to unleash Neo to do something because the humans are being weird. But we'll see how that we'll see how that pans out. But yeah, overall, I was I was pleasantly surprised. It was it was
0: good. They age really well. And actually, with the exception of the first movie's um, backdrops, the digital backdrops, like the special effects have actually aged extremely well, especially when you consider how primitive computers were at the time compared to what we have now.
1: Yeah. And even then, like the the digital this backdrops,
0: four or five years after Jurassic Park, we're not talking about a huge time period. It's two,
1: the first one was 2003. I looked it up. Yeah. So, they, yeah, I mean, they were six years, six years after Jurassic Park. Pushing, pushing that technology. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they were. And and even the effects in the first one hold up. Like if I saw those effects in like, I mean, in a Hollywood movie, those would be cheap by today's standards. But like in a TV, at a TV show, those would be astounding effects for a TV show. So I mean, even then, like it's not bad. It's just you know, it's a little obvious in this day and age, I guess. So anyway, I'm excited for the fourth movie. I probably shouldn't be, but you know, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I'm
0: hoping. I'm hoping. I really am. I-, I thought the trailer was really good. It's a good trailer.
1: Yeah, I downloaded that song, White Rabbit. <laughs> I had to go The original?
0: It. The Jefferson Airplane one?
1: Yeah, yeah, and I was listening to a bunch of covers of it and stuff. I, I had a good day of white rabbiting just am all Am I the day. only
0: one that just has Jefferson Airplane just lying around?
1: I, I don't know. You like classic rock. I do I, do. And I don't. I freaking adore classic rock. Oh, well, there you go. I like classic rock, but I I usually have to get it attached to something in my noggin, like a feeling. I I, I don't know. I'm not a music guy. I don't listen to music for the sake of listening to music most often.
0: I've been listening to music lately. Mm. The score to Dune. Mm. Mm -hmm. I sent you a screenshot. I know. It's so good.
1: It's so good.
0: It's so good. It's so, so
1: good. I've read the book, so this probably doesn't mean anything, but I don't like listening to soundtracks before the movie comes out because they typically spoil stuff. Like, if I, because I can memorize music really well, like the beats, and uh, if I know how the music goes, I can start predicting how the movie's gonna go when I start hearing it. So I just don't do that anymore.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, from the trailer, it looks like they're following the book pretty damn closely. So, I mean, spoiler alert, there's not gonna be any surprises.
1: Did you know it's not gonna finish the first book in the movie?
0: Yes. And I'm uh, totally okay with that choice.
1: I am okay with it too. I just was kind of surprised. I'm glad. I think actually that was a that good that choice. Is a wise
0: choice because that's called you know making a decision for the story rather than for for box office.
1: Yeah. Well, no, it's for the box office because if it does well, they got a sequel. That's easy to get easy to do.
0: Oh yeah, I'm not saying that they don't get a sequel out of it, but I mean it's the right thing to do. Trying to cram Dune into a single, even if you go into a three hour movie, is just. It's not good. It's not a good
1: choice. Been there, done
0: that. (laughs) I still stand by. It's surprising just how much of the Lynch movie, uh, how closely the Lynch movie sticks to a good chunk of the book.
1: Yeah, but those whispers, man.
0: Yeah, man, that's where it gets really friggin strange. (laughs) There's 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 no way to justify that choice.
1: It's just a lot of weird (laughs) going on. All right. All right. Dude, dude, dudes, later, my friend, Dudes, later. What have you been watching? What else? What else have I been watching?
0: Uh, let's see. Uh, aside from the the treasure that is Ted Lasso, um, I did finally get a chance to sit down and watch Rush, the uh, movie from uh, Opie. I can never remember his damn name. I can always just remember Opie. Ron Howard. Ron Howard, for God's sakes, yes. So, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. So I'm, I'm a big, big, big Formula One fan. I, I don't often talk about it on the show because... I know what I'm, you know, I'm alone in that love and that's okay. But, um, yeah, I, I grew up watching formula one. It, it's a big deal when you grow up in another country, uh, much, it's much like soccer, you know, it's, it's, it is life. And so my, my mom would tell us stories of the, 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 the Nikki Lauda, James Hunt fight. It was legendary, absolutely legendary. And so she often tell us about it. And so seeing the story was kind of interesting, but, The movie has this really weird pace to it, and there's some really cheesy, weird, strange angles. And honestly, the effects don't come together. There's often times where you could tell that it's a digital car because it doesn't look even remotely connected to the ground. Like, it's very upsetting in that
1: respect. Hmm. Strange shots. We're going to talk about that later. (laughs) Yeah, I'd I'd be
0: curious. I'd, I'd like to see your take on it because it just has a very odd tone to me, a very, very odd tone. Hmm. I'd like to hear other people's
1: opinions. Last episode, I talked about how I was almost done with episode eight of uh, The Haunting of Hill House. I finished that miniseries that day, and it was so good. I talked to my wife, who honestly hates ghost stories. Like, it's the type of horror that really freaks her out and unsettles her, and then she gets, you know, she thinks there's ghosts everywhere and stuff. But I actually talked her into watching it just because I said it was so good. Like, it was so mind-bashingly good. And, yeah. But it's
0: good because of the character work that's done
1: yes yes
0: like yes. It, it it has to be one of the strongest character set pieces i've ever seen in my life
1: yeah yeah and uh yeah no it was it was amazing it was incredible so i i finished up that day and then we basically because we could only watch about one or two episodes a day usually just one because you know we're not gonna watch that when the kids are awake no
0: no that's a real 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 express lane into therapy
1: yeah yeah oh god Alan wants to watch it so bad so so bad and it's like I I I don't I don't I don't know how I feel about it but I definitely feel that we're not going to watch it while the boys are awake and then it's like I but I don't want her to watch it before she goes to bed because I know how that girl thinks like if we watch it during the day she wouldn't care because she'd have some time to process it after yeah. you know it's over but like right before we go to bed no that's that's me getting waking, woken up at like 1 a.m. <laughs> and I'm like nah, pass Yeah, man, that's not going to end well. No, uh, it's not going to happen. So I'm not. Yeah, I don't think she's going to be able to watch it for a while. But oh, oh, man, it was so good. It was so surprisingly good. Also, I was reading about the making of of that. Did you know that was an Amblin Entertainment joint? I did, actually, because uh, it's got what's uh, the kid that played Elliot? in Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Whose real name escapes me, but he'll always be Elliot to me.
1: Right, right. So the story of that basically is uh, years and years and years ago, uh, Steven Spielberg picked up the rights to that book, and they've been trying to do something ever since. And at some point, they got Stephen King involved, in and Stephen King was going to help him do the adaptation. And then they had creative differences, and Amblin just still held on to the rights and eventually did this. And then Stephen King went and uh, wrote a screenplay for the miniseries Rose Red* which is sort of his version of The Haunting of Hill House with all the numbers filed off. So guess what I got waiting for me at the library? Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, we're not going to be watching that because that's a TV miniseries, but I will tell you how it is. Maybe we'll have to add it to the back end later if I'm I will like it. Watch well, I'm glad they watched that. Well, I want to watch it now because I got, I got Ghost Fever right now.
0: And then uh, I, I didn't... Can I introduce you in a slightly used copy of Cujo? <laughs>
1: And then I uh, I finished up, uh, or I, I, I didn't finish The Haunting of Hill House the first time around. I, I barely read it, actually, even though I had it forever. But I, I got the ghost fever now, so I went and rented that book again. And I'm about halfway through it now because, uh, yeah, reading that book, it's impressive how mu- how many lines they stole from that book and stuck it into the show in various parts and made it work. Yeah. Like like that whole bit about Theo and the only time her mom spanked her and all that, that is a direct quote from Theo in the book. <laughs>
0: So I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're watching these, by the way, because, you know, Mike Flanagan's new show is coming out in just a couple of weeks.
1: Oh, Netflix. yeah. Uh, Friday. It's coming out this Friday. And that
0: yeah. trailer is creepy.
1: Yeah, we are, we're definitely going to watch it. Yeah, so am I. <laughs> yeah, All me and Gina that. have decided. Yeah. So that'll, that'll be taking up a lot of our time this week. So if I'm going to watch anything that's not that, I got to do it like between now and Friday. <laughs> and then I started watching Bly Manor and it's not as good. Uh, it's still good. Like it, it is. It is. It's, it's a not different as
0: different burn. It's a different burn. You yeah, gotta get
1: there. You like, gotta get there. Like uh, I'm I'm on episode six or something, so I'm almost yeah, done. You're not there yet. But trust me. Well, if you have to take six or seven episodes to get where you need to go, it's still not as good because Hill House had me at episode one. But uh, again, it's not bad. It's a different I, burn. I'm not I'm not saying it's bad. So they've described it as Haunting of Hill House is uh, a family drama with ghosts, <laughs> which is true uh and this one is a love story with ghosts and i'm like yeah fair that's that's a pretty adequate way of describing it so you know it's a real shame about it i i would probably be singing its praises more if i didn't watch it like immediately on the back of the previous show because the previous show was that good like it's a work of genius it it straight up is like the storytelling it is phenomenal and the way they parse out information perfectly like and and just yeah ah yeah no spoilers i don't want to spoil it for people it's great you should go watch it
0: God, there's so much good to unpack in that show. It's 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 of a level of quality that, I mean, frankly, it just feels like it should be
1: illegal. It's so damn good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, that's what I've watched and read actually. So, what have you read? Uh, reading, yes, I finished up uh, the
0: first book in the Foundation trilogy, and mm-hmm. it's just as good as I remember. I'd forgotten how good the reveal is on that that the 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 game of manipulation that is played in it. And then I also um, I took a break after Foundation. I'll return to Foundation after this book that I'm reading. But I took your advice and I uh, am currently reading Mongrels. Which one's that? That's the werewolf book you told me about.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I stumbled into a random werewolf book and I told you about it. How is it? I heard it it was good. It's
0: it's so far. It's very engaging and very interesting. It's uh, a point of view that I never would have imagined. It's modern very poor f- people that are also werewolves trying to stay under the radar and and make their way through life and you know traditionally werewolf stories are always kind of elizabethan you know what i mean yeah and this just puts it in a very different context and it's it's fascinating it's really really good hmm well, that's
1: cool yeah i forgot i recommended that book for you
0: i'm glad it's good it's good it's
1: good i'm really enjoying it i
0: would say that it's it's definitely so far i'm about a third of the way through it it's, it's definitely worth a read
1: Hmm. I wonder if they have that at the library. Although I think I'm going to re- try to read The Shining next. All right. So what have you been playing video game wise? I haven't been mentioning it lately, but I just want to say uh, today was uh, uh, today was day 219 of my Ring Fit Adventure. I'm not doing it every day like I used to. I, I'm uh, We have a nice elliptical and I've been doing ellipticaling and then I do that every other day because I've read it's better to do cardio and then weights every other day so ring fits as close to weights as i get (laughs) so that's what i do now but yeah been having a good time been having a good time and it's still holding your attention and everything not as much as it did because the the game plus isn't like a role-playing game you know like i i wish it was more of a role-playing game but i'm kind of doing it just because i you know i'm more than two thirds of the way of beating the entire thing because of, you know, the game plus plus. So I'm like, screw it. I'll just do it. And the way I hold my interest now is, uh, I just put everything on random and force myself to do whatever the the stupid game wants me to do. (laughs) And, (laughs) and then I rented, uh, unfortunately they came in the same week, uh, Returnal and Immortals Phoenix rising for the PS five. Uh, both games are good. Immortals is, uh, Legends of Zelda, Zelda. yeah, but with Greece. So if, if I see that cheap, I'm definitely going to pick it up. That, that that was worth. And Returnal, I don't know if I could play that game because it's incredibly twitchy because it's kind of like a bullet hell 3D roguelike um, with a really good story. But yeah, it was fun. I, I had fun with it. If any of that sounds fun to you, I would recommend it. But it, it is supposed to be hard because uh, spoiler alert, although it happens in the first 10 minutes, basically the, the main character in it gets stuck in a time loop. And so part of the game is figuring out how to unstick yourself from the time loop, except unfortunately her time loop is on an alien planet where things eat her a lot. And she finds her body quite frequently, <laughs> which is kind of creepy.
0: I need to play that. I, I really do. I've, I've been very curious about it. I have not tried it. Um, I have tried immortals though. And that, that's really fun. Super, super fun.
1: And still playing Chroma squad every down and again. I, I put a little time into it. I, I, there's a twist at the end of the third season which is quite amusing so yeah still a fun game good good tactical rpg surprisingly good and then the story is just goofy nonsense which i am enjoying because it knows what it wants to be and last but not least jonathan stellaris was really cheap for the playstation edition so i got that and that game is civ level bad of just one more turn although it takes place in real time so there's not really one more turn but after a while, there's just things going on everywhere in your Stellar Empire. And yeah, yeah. And what I really like about it is you can make up your own Stellar Empire. So the first one I made up was uh, Carcosa. I set my home world to be Carcosa. Of then, course you did. And then the sun was the Hyades, uh, which was fun. And then I my <laughs> I pissed off these <laughs> pirates. And they just basically tore through my space. Like in a straight line, and just took out everything in between. Everything. Because I wouldn't give them money. And that kind of depressed me. because that's a space pirate does. Yeah, they sacked my capital. It really made me sad. So I, I got depressed, and I, I started a new game where I was playing the Federation, basically. Except my Federation finds aliens that are less technologically advanced than me and uplifts them. So that's been fun. I've managed to uh, assimilate, or assimilate, that's I'm not the Borg. I've managed to have uh two alien species enter into my government and it's cool because when they enter into your government like you can get people like you have to get scientists to run your science ships and when you start like looking for new scientists it'll start pulling people from the other races because you know they're available now they they're in your they're in your space so it's cool i've been really digging that so i've got these kind of lizardy fish people that uh like living in coastal worlds and then i i just got these snails these space snails and i'm working on getting the space penguins onto the team too but oh
0: jeez, you had me at space penguins
1: <laughs> yeah the space penguins are tight and yeah that's it what have you been playing in video games
0: uh let's see in video games i have been playing uh aliens fire team a couple of my buddies ended up getting it and it is super fun and it held it, your interest
1: for two weeks i i'm surprised that might be actually a good aliens game it is
0: it, it I wouldn't want to play it alone. It's a great co-op game. It's a great co-op game. And you know what? It came out at the perfect time. It's helping to fill the void until the big holiday releases, you know?
1: Yeah, which may or may not happen because everything's getting delayed weirdly because Rona sucks.
0: Yeah, Rona sucks. Hashtag Rona sucks. Hashtag 2021 trying to beat 2020. Yeah. Positive podcast. It's almost done. Maybe 2022 will be the uh, turning point. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, So, yeah, I'm just about done with Ratchet and Clank as well. I know we've talked about it before. Uh, That game is an absolute uh, treasure of a game. I'm having so much fun with it. I think that's what I called it last time, and I'll call it again. It's so much fun. It's so, so much fun. It's a perfect balance of shooting, exploration, platforming, charm. It's just great. I'm having the best time with it, and I can't believe it's almost done because I want it to keep going, even though it's a damn near perfect experience. And then I have been uh, cruising through Assetto Corsa uh, lately. I picked it up cheap on a Steam sale and it is a total sim racer and I am having a blast. Like a good sim racer. Very good. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of that. Shall we move on to... I think board games is the only thing we have left, right? Uh,
1: No, we played RPG, Jonathan.
0: Oh, yes. We finally got back to the RPG table after our hiatus.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It took a while. took a while. But yeah, playing the Delta Green. Um, I think where we're at, we might be able to do it in two, but it might stretch into three more sessions, which will take us through October, unfortunately, but whatever. Uh, yeah, I, uh, got yeah, the only way out is through my friend. The only way out of Carcosa is through. So what do you think? Still holding your interest? Yes, very much so. Like it's,
0: it's a fascinating story. Um, I don't a hundred percent know what to make of things um so i'm curious to see where it goes like i'm i'm having a very good time with it
1: yeah yeah the the game definitely has an end i'm uh i'm gonna tack a little bit onto it and and steal something from a movie that you'll probably catch but it it feels right to tack that on <laughs> so we'll, we'll we'll see what happens yeah gina's like how are you gonna wrap this up in three two or three more sessions i'm like oh man oh man if you only knew And we'll see if you guys are having fun doing something and get caught in a tangent, we will get caught in a tangent. But, you know, that is what remains to be seen. You know, my only complaint about it is it's a good story, but it's not a very Delta Green story. And I really wanted to play Delta Green again. And I realized I'm not scratching that itch at all. And it makes me want to play more Delta Green later. (laughs) 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 You know what I mean? Because it's not, it's Delta Green has a lot, typical Delta Green has a lot more to do with like Fringe or the X-Files. You know, it's a team of people that start, you know, investigating and trying to put a stop to weird. And that's not what Impossible Landscapes is about. Like Impossible Landscapes is about the weird, you know, investigating and stopping you. (laughs) I don't know.
0: Well, I'm having a good time with it. I think it's a great story.
1: Yeah. Also, I want to I want to tell you, I lived the dream, Jonathan. I lived the dream. I that Turkish place I found last episode. It's a food cart in this food cart thing that is not far from my house. So, uh, Gina and I went there because uh, yeah, we both have Fridays off and the kids are in school. So we're like, we're going to go have lunch at the food cart place. It'll be a date. Heck yeah. And uh, yeah, we we had Turkish food from a cart.
0: It looks so good.
1: It was very good. I don't know how authentic it was. It reminded me a lot of this uh, Iraqi, actually, uh, guy who like had an Iraqi deli, I think, that we found where he made this, this flatbread and they put like, you know, shawarma and stuff in it. But yeah, no, it was still really good. And we're going to go back because we found a Korean f- fusion place where they put Korean stuff in tortillas and you could have a Korean burrito. And I'm like, I am all about that. Oh, man. There used
0: to be a Korean taco place, Korean barbecue taco place here. That was so good. I don't know if it's still around. I just never get down that far into Austin anymore. Yeah. It was yeah. Near, an, near an old old office of mine.
1: But yeah, we're going to have to go at least three or four more times because there's a lot of good food. There's two Mexican places I want to try and then the, uh, the Philly cheese take. I've had a good Philly cheesesteak in a while, so hopefully that one will fit the bill. Man, a good Philly cheesesteak's an art. It really is. Mm-hmm. It's a legitimate art. Agreed. So I think I think all we got left is board games. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, like you and I have talked about before, we're playing Welcome to. We're playing Seven Wonders. We're playing Railroad Inc. No, no big changes there. No. Uh you haven't been able to join us lately, but we've been getting together pretty regularly to play on Tabletop Simulator, and we've played a lot of legendary aliens. We've actually finished the first three scenarios and managed to get at least one survivor through on every one of them. Yeah, we also had the other night I sat down and I taught Ray how to play Duelosaur Island. I wanted to try that. It's uh it's good, but it's fiddly. I forgot how fiddly it was. <laughs> And I guess it's because I've played Seven Wonders Duel a couple times since the last time I played Duelosaur that, like, the fiddliness really just kind of jumped out at us. Hmm. And we had a long conversation about it. I mean, we, we both agreed it's fun and, and, and great. But, yeah, there's a certain fiddliness to it that it just makes it a little harder to consume than some others.
1: All right. All right. I see three other things on the on your list. Yeah, so
0: uh, there are a couple other things. I have just started diving into um, Sideshow Swap, which I got a copy of. It's a little party game uh, featuring uh, circus performers, and I'll talk about it a little more soon. I want to get a couple more playthroughs. Um, but, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's a fun little party game, super quick to play, too, which is great. Nice. Yeah, I'll go into a little more detail as soon as I've had an opportunity to play a couple more times. Uh, it started out on Kickstarter, and then it got picked up by Bicycle Games, of all people, like the, the, the playing card manufacturer. Hmm. So they're, they're publishing some small, um, small box games, which is great. I mean, the more people, the merrier. Uh, and then I also uh, finally got my pledge of Ankh uh, in the UPS. Oh, nice. Yes, I've got two, f- two feet of Ankh sitting next to me.
1: Oh, OK, so you got everything. It wasn't just the initial because sometimes Simon uh, does that, right? Like, the. oh, yeah, up.
0: yeah. No, let me tell you, I got the playmat almost three months ago. <laughs> yeah, so Ankh is finally here. The art book is gorgeous. Like, I cannot wait to get on the table. I've read through the rules a couple of times, um, started to punch a couple of things, of course, because I got the Kickstarter version. I went all in. I mean, I just got expansion for days, so I got to figure it all out and set it all up. The problem is people because COVID.
1: So if memory serves, his first game was supposed to be kind of like Risk, and the second one was kind of inspired by Diplomacy. Did you ever say what Ankh was inspired by, or is it just not? Because I thought it was part of that.
0: Uh, I'll I'll have to look. I'll have to look. But I can tell you this much. It definitely feels like an extension of the trilogy, but it is its own beast, without a doubt. I could dig it.
1: I could dig it. And then Downforce, that's the racing game. Yeah, Yeah, it's the racing game.
0: Uh, I I had... um, we had some time to kill. We were waiting for uh, my wife and a couple of the kids to get home. So uh, a couple of the younger kids and I have sat down and we, we churned out a game of it. And it's just forgotten how much fun that game was. We had a blast. All of us did. Even Amelia joined us. Wow. She, she was my co-pilot. She moved my car. That was nice of her. But you know what? She did a darn good job. Worked on counting.
1: Dude, dude, you got to watch out for that girl. Holy God. Yeah, like, man. I know. I thought Miles knew how to weaponize his cute, but he your daughter could teach him quite a few things. Oh, Jesus. Oh,
0: it's it, it's gross. It's gross. And and the worst part is she totally knows that she can do it, too.
1: Oh, Everywhere I, yeah. we go,
0: she wraps people around her finger.
1: Yeah, no, she can weaponize her cute. Like, yeah, Miles does the same thing, but Miles isn't nearly as good as her. I can tell. <laughs> He'll get there. He'll get there. He, he's older than her. He won't, but that's fine. I, don't, I, I, I I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. Man, my kids are back in school. It's wild. Yeah, it's, it's weird, right? Yeah, it's weird.
0: It's wild. I, I, don't, I know. don't know how to feel about it. I'm still uncomfortable about it, and we're like two months in at this point. It is now time for us to uh, take a quick break, and when we return, it will be time for the Wisdom of Crowds. <laughs>
1: Do you have a tabletop, board game, miniature game, or RPG that you're going to release for retail? Or do you have an upcoming tabletop Kickstarter that you're about to launch? We would love to interview you for a future episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. Send us an email to
0: fmdpodcast2016 at gmail.com to schedule an interview. Welcome back from the break. It is now time for our Wisdom of Crowd segment. That is, of course, our bi-weekly Tabletop News segment where we actually have quite a bit of news because the world has reawakened in some respects.
1: And actually, Gen Con just happened. I know. I was surprised. Okay, hold on. Before we get going, I just want to – if we said a little spicy, remember that bit at the beginning when I said we were getting dangerously close to talking about politics and we couldn't stay positive because of that? Well, me and Jonathan started – Yeah, we might have gone on a 15-minute Yeah, we started talking about politics. And we're trying to, like, bring ourselves down. <laughs> <laughs> nope. No, the
0: spice must flow.
1: <laughs> God damn you! Oh, this f- Dune humor. I gosh
0: But you know what? It just always works. That's why it keeps coming back.
1: Oh, oh! Do you want to die on the inside, Jonathan? You want to die on the inside? I'm, not, uh, I'm not that interested in watching Dune. It just looks like Star Wars. Oh, uh,
0: how <laughs> dare you! How dare you! You animal. You're, you're not even a human anymore. It's just, that's what an animal would
1: do. <laughs> well, I
0: obviously couldn't. Do you eat your own poop, too? No, I... Is that considered, like, a delicacy? I can't, How dare you? I can't you? keep my head in Get the box. Get out of here.
1: I can't keep my head in the box. Uh, I saw i saw that on, on the internet. <laughs> it, was, it was really funny. Which one? Uh, that was actually a meme. Uh, it was... Uh, it was the meme of Paul. It's like, Paul, put your hand in the box. He's like, why? What's in it? And then he sticks his hand in and the little caption just says, I don't want to see it. It looks like Star Wars. And his face is like, ah! <laughs> 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 oh, it is funny, though. I'll give you that.
0: It's like the, the, the Dune memes have been flying left and right because we're so close to the release and they have all been funny.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Sorry for a little spicy. Hey, hey,
0: it, it could be worse. We could get a movie by a guy who never even bothered to read the book.
1: Nah, Tim Burton's not directing this one.
0: No, no. Jab Jabronowski or Jaborowski, whatever his name is. <laughs> the movie that, that started to get made
1: but never got made. Yeah. He never bothered to read the book. Fun fact. No. Oh, that is a fun fact. But we shouldn't be at all concerned about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it never happens, so it doesn't matter. Thank you. Here, I, I found that meme. I'm gonna send it to you because we need a laugh. We need a palate cleanser. Anyway. All right. I guess I'm first. I guess I'm first. All right. All right. Enough Dune memes. So, I haven't reported this, but uh, last summer in July, the Game Manufacturers Association, Gamma, uh, decided to, like, actually, like, I don't know, do stuff? Take a stand (laughs) on it? Yeah, so okay. If you didn't know this, the Game Manufacturers Association, Gamma, uh, as a retailer, which I was, you could join it, which I did, and basically all that got you was once a year they would do Origins. Used to be like an owners only. Oh no, no, there's the game. There, there's a Gamma show, and they've also added a retailer data Origins because that's a that's also a Gamma gig. But uh, and you could like join their insurance, so you, your staff could have insurance because it was Gamma wide, I guess. But. While stores could join, there wasn't really a compelling reason to because nobody in charge actually spoke for stores. It was all game manufacturers, you know, like Fantasy Flight and all of them. And it kind of sucked. And recently they decided that they were going to be the trade organization, the umbrella of under all of the game things. And so over Gen Con weekend, they elected a new board. And the board is now one person represents creators and creatives, which Grace Collins of Snowbright Studios got it. Media and events. So I guess these, these are the people responsible for the shows, like Origins. I didn't look this person up, so I don't know what they do. But uh, her name is Monica Rus- Rosso. Uh, they have production and manufacturers. So what the old board was about. And that's Eric Price of Japanimate Games. They've got publishers. Uh, Stephen Bissarad of Aiello retailers kylie primus uh manager i believe that's stefan stefan okay yeah kylie primus manager of games unlimited and the wholesaler Shaw Mead, uh the president of golden distribution so yes now the board is made up of people who do more than just make the games which is good why couldn't you have done that 10 years ago when my store opened it might have been nice but whatever gamma actually not sucking like good job gamma jonathan
0: All right, uh, Alderac Entertainment has announced a new game that's coming out uh, next year, very early next year. That is called Dog Lover by David Short. And uh, if you've played Automobiles or Ground Floor or Scorpius Freighter, uh, then you know David Short's work. It's for ten and up and two to four players. And in Dog Lover, you're going to be a player who is taking care of dogs in order to score victory points, and you do that by bringing dogs home from shelters. Training them, collecting bones for the puppies, uh, and gathering food for them in general. And it's just got an adorable cover, and because I'm a dog person, I'm totally excited about it. So there you go, dog lover.
1: So, Gen Con, this Gen Con was interesting. When it got announced that... The Gen Con staff had removed the Gaming Goat CEO, Jeff Bergen, from Gen Con. And they didn't say what this was about, but this probably is about the Kickstarter he's doing right now and the frog. And, oh, my God, like drama and awfulness. And it's not. So why don't you bring people up to
0: speed on on the frog and why the frog is a problematic frog?
1: Okay, so the alt-right has a frog meme, Pepe, who the creator Pepe took it back. He sued a bunch of people for copyright infringement and good on him. He got a lot of money. But frogs among, you know, the Nazis, the, the alt-right, whatever you want to call them, are a thing, especially when they make the white power symbol. And there was a picture of a frog that looked like it might, and, and I, I, will, I will even say this, might have been doing it. The problem wasn't the art because later it was kind of shown that this piece of art was just based off of a picture of an actual friggin' frog. And it was just the actual shape that frog's hand was taking. The problem is Jeff's behavior previous to this and certainly his behavior after it seemed plausible from his pa- behavior before that it was intentional and his behavior afterwards certainly got him in trouble. He, well, whatever he was doing, he got himself banned from board game geek for his responses. Cause he was trolling and screwing up people's pronouns and picking on people and just being kind of a jerk. I, I have it listed here. He had some quote controversial takes, uh, including that he's a Ben Shapiro fan and you can go down that rabbit hole if you, if you want. But yes, he, uh, he basically got himself banned from everything. And the, the standing up for these guys, cause this must really suck. The gaming goat also franchise stores. Uh, and so there were a lot of stores, including one in Austin, Jonathan. Yes,
0: I know. I've been to it. It's a lovely store. That's, and I, I know the guy who runs it. He's a super nice guy. And it, it really sucks because like, I know this guy, he doesn't feel this way
1: well it's not going to be the gaming goat much longer he announced that's going to change the name but yeah a good like i think almost i think 10 at this point gaming goat stores have just like ripped up their contract and said nope we're going independent now and there's several more that are just saying you know it's like we're getting our ducks in a row on this but we don't have anything to report yet just just give us another couple weeks we'll (laughs) we'll get this together um yeah he got banned from gen con he got banned from board game geek He lost a bunch of franchisees, a whole bunch of designers that were publishing games through the the Gaming Goat brand said, nope, we're not working with you anymore. Like, yeah, I think this is probably the best thing to say about that. As they say on Reddit, Jonathan, if you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. And uh, yeah, that's that's certainly what happened here. So yeah, if you want to read up on it, there's a really, really good thread on boardgamequest.com about the whole thing. Good job, Jeff. I don't know. I don't know what to say to that.
0: No, you know what? There's only one thing to say. Act like an asshole, get treated like an asshole. Like
1: I, I said win stupid games or play stupid games with stupid prizes, Jonathan. That's that's Yeah, but You're still spicy. This is more than a stupid prize. He's just a You're still spicy. You're still spicy, Jonathan. Yeah, I'm definitely <laughs> Pull it in. still spicy. Pull definitely, it in. Still spicy. Pull it in. definitely still spicy. Yeah. Alright, your turn, Jonathan.
0: Well, in the not so spicy arena of things, uh, FFG actually announced a bunch of stuff at Gen um oh yeah I,
1: I saw this i saw this like what of your wishes came true
0: uh what a four player box set uh to launch an lcg nope instead of having to buy two two player box sets no nope. a new KeyForge expansion no okay uh standalone scenarios for arkham horror the card game no uh brand new lord of the rings card game box set not not that either. Oh, you must be talking about the graphic novels that are coming uh, in celebration of Twilight Imperium's 25th anniversary? No, I'm not talking about that either. Uh, that The Division is going to be making his debut in Marvel Champions the card game? No. Oh, then you must be talking about the unfinished business expansion for Star Wars Outer Rim that I have been craving for almost two and a half years.
1: Yes, that is. There like, it is.
0: That was the it last is.
1: one. Yeah, it's, yep. it's almost
0: like I planned it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I meant to send you an article about it, but then I figured you probably already this. Yes.
0: It. No, I'm so
1: excited because you know what? The game felt unfinished. Bring me the end. And they call it unfinished business. That's a little too cheeky. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I mean, it's definitely cheeky. It's questionable. I mean, it's not unfinished. It's just, you start repeating content really fast, but it's a great game. It's a freaking great game. So there you go. No, no, there's zero details. They don't say when it's coming or anything. They just announced it. It's coming. And that's exciting because I really enjoyed outer rim. I thought outer Rim was a great game. Fantasy flight, tearing it up, man, tearing it up. There you go. Yeah. They, they had a lot of announcements. It's a good time to be a fantasy flight fan.
1: Yeah. Do you, do you want me to bring you down from that? Because there's actually, a, it's kind of a bad time. What, to be are we going to talk about Jeff again? No. No, Jonathan. Thanks to uh, capitalism and just-on-time manufacturing, which is stupid, and supply chains and all of that, as will USA USA, Luna Imports have announced price increases. Uh, they have said every board game is going to go up by 2 to $10 per item, which is a roughly an increase of 10 to 20%, depending. And, you know, Jonathan, I hate to say this, but call me a cynic. I don't think those prices are coming down once this all gets sorted out. So that oh, I think no, is no, permanent. No, no, no. I think that's fair to say.
0: Now, I will say this. In, 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 I, I get it. They're running a business. They need to generate income. I'll, I'll never begrudge anybody that. And, you know, we can certainly vote with our wallets whether or not we think that it's worth the investment. But I would still make the argument that, much like a video game, a board game on its its dollar per hour basis
1: is still a hell of a deal. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. But yes, basically, if you've been thinking about getting a Fantasy Flight game, might be the time to run out and go get a, a copy before the box has a new price on it. Yep. Just saying. like,
0: for instance, uh, Star Wars Outer Rim. Now that we know that uh, there's uh, expansion material coming for it.
1: There you go. There you go. Bringing it
0: home. Bringing it home. Bring it. it, Bring home. it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's what we do here. Yeah. I have one more. Uh, It's time to go once more. To boldly go, one could say, where no one has gone before.
1: But it's just a Star Trek board game, Jonathan. That's been done.
0: No, not like this. Oh, Because this time it's going to where Fantasy Realms is. So, Fantasy Realms was a Kenner Spiel-nominated game by Bruce Glasgow. Uh, And WizKids has just announced that they are partnering with uh, Bruce to make a... Star Trek version of fantasy realms called Star Trek missions. So the galaxy deck will be comprised of people, places, and things. The mission deck is comprised of events. Um, and yeah, it's basically fantasy realms with, uh, all kinds of next gen art on it. And that makes me happy. And that'll be out in roughly February of, uh, next year. Nice. You could almost say that they are making it. So, i'm here all week yeah just let that let that marinate
1: you good i could say a joke at your expense right now and make you mad again it's almost as sweet as the water of life all right jonathan yeah right back to dune right back to dune you're right you will be in texas all week and i'll be in oregon oh how how dare you how dare you My governor is forcing all the kids to wear masks in school. It's cool, huh?
0: <laughs> My governor's trying to murder as many of his constituents as possible. hmm yeah, yeah, not spicy at all. Let, let go. hmm Well, there you go. That brings us to the end of the news, which means it's time for our relatively new segment, part four of our 39-part series, A King in All Things where we are watching all the Stephen King movies based on novellas or novels in order of release date, which brings us into the early
1: 80s with the absolute car wreck that is Cujo. 1983, directed by Louis Tagg, who uh, I don't know if it showed Jonathan, but he directed a lot of TV movies before and after this. Really? Uh, Yeah. After this? Really? They gave him more? Yes, they did. Uh, wow, for, that's this is a bold choice. <laughs> made for a budget of eight million dollars, it brought in twenty one million dollars at the box <laughs> office. <laughs> what, <laughs> what was the eight million for? It started Ford Pinto. It, well, that's from the book. That wasn't a choice he got to make. I, I read this <laughs> book. It it is the first book to take place in Castle Rock. <laughs> See, the irony although uh, is that that's my, a my lie. I had a
0: Ford Pinto. Like I grew up riding in a nineteen seventy seven Ford Pinto.
1: Nice. Actually, that's a lie. The Dead Zone technically is first, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, I got nothing. I read it because of that, because I was reading all the Castle Rock books. So, Cujo is the story about a dog, a big old St. Bernard, gets rabies, starts murdering people. Then there's this really, really, really highly contrived plot where this wife, who's cheating on her husband for no reason I can fathom, uh, drives up to get her car looked at by, like, you know, the guy the guy the guy you know who can fix cars stop yeah, the mechanic but he, he, he's honest yes and he's cheap and he beats his wife yeah well
0: there's that too The the mailman failed to mention that in his uh in his selling of the the, the guy's services
1: so the, the car breaks down up there they're trapped in the car and a fun fact jonathan and spoiler alert i guess in the book the kid dies from heat stroke in the car which is lovely. I I think it was a good choice to let the kid live at the end in the in the movie. I think that was probably the smart one because it would have been really downer. I don't know, man. Have you ever seen The Mist? <laughs> no, I haven't actually. Oh my god, really? <laughs> yeah, I haven't. So, uh, where do we begin? Okay, so main problem with this movie. It probably could have been a half hour shorter. There are so many probably. Oh, Long, my God, it
0: could have been like an hour shorter.
1: Lingering shots of stuff everywhere. The,
0: the, there's it, only enough plot in that script to, to balance out like a 45-minute a episode of TV. Like, th- th- this did not need to be a movie.
1: Not in this script. No, I would agree. And then the guy who directed it, it... Uh, the angles like everything about it it, rem- it reminded me of salem's lot and whereas salem's lot was kind of charming cuz i knew it was a tv movie and i could forgive that this was i knew box office th- this came out in the theaters and there's absolutely no reason for it it just the angles like just these long lingering shots of stuff that it's like oh it was so bad and and the thing that got me the thing that got me where i almost didn't pick this movie up again which i don't know maybe you could say it worked cuz i felt something But the kid that they got to play in this is like the only correct casting choice they made for this whole damn thing. And the kid was friggin' adorable. And it's really, really obvious that the way they got the performance out of the kid was they just literally had the dog scare the crap out of the kid and filmed him crying. And like that stabbed me so hard in the dad because I only had time to watch about half the movie, which is like right where that happens. And I went out like just getting just shanked right in the dad. And I'm like, yeah. I don't know if I could keep watching this. Like, it- Spoiler
0: alert. You didn't miss anything in the second half. It just does the same thing as the first half, except with even less to, to see. It was so bad.
1: Oh, I I did. I did finish it. I fast forwarded through a lot of it because I, I just didn't care at that point. And, I'd and read you the didn't book.
0: miss anything because
1: it's so bad. I will say this. I liked it better than Carrie. Because yeah, but
0: that, that's, that's like looking down at your your dog's business in the backyard and saying, you know, the one on the left, I think I like that one a little better than the one on the right. <laughs> <laughs> They're both stinking turds. Yeah. yeah. Kind of like my government here in Texas. Yeah, I'm still
1: there. I'm still there. Jonathan, Jonathan. I'm still Jonathan, there. I'm still there. Take out the spice. Out the spice. Get, get, the, get the skimmer or whatever and, and, and clear he out the spice. He who controls
0: the spice controls the universe, Robert. Yeah. That's clearly... Where I am right
1: now. If you keep your blood pressure that high, you're going to die, Jonathan. Stop it. (laughs) Focus, Cujo, Cujo, Cujo. So, fun fact, one of the characters who died in this was the sheriff of Castle Rock, and that is why there is a new sheriff come needful things. And apparently the deputy uh his name's alan peghorn plaguehorn whatever he's the main character from needful things which also takes place in castle rock apparently he's in this movie he's a deputy during this time so i was reading about all the connections of castle rock it's fun it's good times yeah we don't need to have any connections this movie just needs to just not exist anymore yeah i don't know why you got a 30th anniversary edition like that doesn't make for, any for sense to what? me what i don't know it's inexplicable it's, it's considered a cult hit. Apparently I'm like, who's watching this? It's not that good. I've seen better 80s horror movies. Uh, So safe to say Jonathan, I don't think we liked it. Oh yeah. I'd say that's a safe bet.
0: Yeah. That's fair. I'm going to allow that. That's fair.
1: And also the main problem with this is like, you can't remake this movie to try to do it better because like cell phones exist now. Like it'd have to be even more contrived because like, it's oh, like, yeah, oh yeah,
0: yeah. The, the, the battery would have to be dead in some way, shape, or form. Or,
1: or, or it's like you don't get cell service out here. Yeah. Or, yeah, it would just be even more contrived, <laughs> not less, not less. Although maybe instead of having them out there for days, you could just have them out there for hours while they're waiting for people to come. I don't know. Because also we, we know now that cars out in heat will kill you a lot faster than two days. Yeah, there's like no they're way thought-
0: they're gonna last two days if they if they've got enough heat to kill.
1: Yeah. Yes, I don't know, man. Was,
0: that movie was atrocious. That, that yeah. was... I mean, I just watched Carrie, so I can't call it the worst thing I've seen this year, but damn, it was it was giving it its all. It was like giving it the old college try. Yeah,
1: you know, I, think, I think that's the main problem with this movie. I don't think it tried hard at much of anything. <laughs> oh my God, no, it didn't. Right. I can't
0: believe that they spent that much money making it.
1: Right, right. But I think that's why Carrie's worse, because... You know, there was a lot, obviously a lot of thought put into Carrie and Carrie. Carrie's just cre- creepy. It's so exploitive in the front part. It's just kind of like, ah, where's Carrie's this movie? Creepy
0: because of the person that put it together. Carrie's not. Yeah. Uh, Carrie is a standalone idea. Could could still work.
1: Well, we're, they're going to take another crack at it because we've got Carrie 2013 or something coming up. Oh, so. man,
0: that's so far away, though. That's so yeah. far away. Also, fun <laughs> fact, did you notice in the opening credits who the, the DP was?
1: Yeah, Jean Benant. Jean de Bont. Yeah. Speed fame. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Maybe this is the movie where he learned what not to do. I don't know.
0: Oh, man. Boy, did this whole thing just
1: feel like he was just like,
0: hey, guys, I I got beers this time. I, I just got
1: paid. All right. Well, we hate the movie. Next up is hopefully a reprieve. We've got a Christopher Walken movie, The Dead Zone. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I don't even care if the movie's terrible I get to see Christopher walking for hours Yeah, this is going to be great I'm excited
1: <laughs> I actually watched that movie not too long ago It It's not Well, it's better than Cujo It's not great, but it's not bad either You know
0: what else is better than Cujo? Hmm.
1: Literally anything Except
0: for <laughs> Carrie Except for <laughs> Carrie Carrie's the only thing not better than Cujo
1: but Yeah, I'm excited I'll watch it again Hopefully it'll be better so far, we've we've gotten a, a a cold than a or a bad than a good. So hopefully, hopefully we can hopefully we can break the cycle. But it should hopefully mean that the dead zone's pretty good. I'll uh, go with that.
0: You know, I feel like we've earned a good movie after Cujo. <laughs> <laughs> like I, 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 I was sitting there watching it. And at some point in my life, I watched Cujo when I was young, because I remember I remember a lot of it. I did not. I could tell that I had watched it previously with young eyes because there was not a single redeeming quality to this film. Oh, my God. The entire time that I had it on in the corner of my screen, I'm sitting there just like, oh, God, why am I doing this to myself? <laughs> it was just the single most painful experience ever. You know what would have hurt less? Repeatedly hitting myself in the junk with a two by four with, with rusty nails through it. No, I think that would have hurt more, Jonathan. No, I don't know that you could scientifically say that. I was in, like, a crisis of spirit. That movie was terrible. (laughs) I feel unclean. Like, I need to go take a shower to cleanse off the bad cinema. It wasn't even so bad that we could, like, make fun of it and have a good time with it. It was just plain bad. It didn't try and come around the horn, you know? (laughs) No. No. All right. Well, on that bombshell, shall we move on? Yeah. All right. Uh, let's hope that the dead zone is better now. It's time for us to hop in our way back machine and talk about our year in the life segment. This is where we look at what we did a year ago and we talk about it some more. So, uh, what happened a year ago, Robert?
1: Yeah, I forgot to put it in the script, <laughs> hey, but I got it here.
0: Was wasn't wasn't Rona supposed to be
1: done last year? Right. Right. It's done. Right. We, we forgot we my dice. It? Episode ninety five. Everything. We exactly, made it. Everything's a thing. We interviewed Brendan Lacks from the Washington County Library Cooperative.
0: Oh my God, has it been a year since we talked to him?
1: Yeah. Holy crap. Can we have him yeah. back on? I, don't know, I can message him. We totally should. <laughs> we should help yeah. you wipe Cujo out of his catalog. <laughs> He's actually responsible for that. Oh, no, 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 no. No, I got Cujo. Cujo's at different libraries. He's only, he's not responsible for it being at the one I, I go to.
0: <laughs> We're going to do you a solid. We're going to do you a solid. Here's the one thing that you can remove from the library of things. <laughs> Let's not make this a thing. <sighs> Oh man, maybe we need to start a second podcast watching bad
1: movies, so you don't have to. (laughs) Yeah, there's already a podcast called that. I found it. Uh, (laughs) Oh man, but yeah, no, we should have those guys on this show. How do you do it? Well, because sometimes bad movies are fun. Anyway, Brandon, Brandon lacks. You know, honestly, uh, if you haven't listened to that episode, go listen to that episode. I'm super duper proud of it. Like it was, it was us kind of going off of our beaten path and I thought it was actually interesting and we did something new, which I was proud of. I concur. Going back to that. I, yes, I've obviously been to the library, but, uh, a friend of mine's wife, uh, I visited in California, uh, hi Shalyn, She actually is a librarian too. So I'm trying to get, she, she, I was telling her about the library things and, and I got her interested. So I was telling her to. You know pass i I passed his email along to her, and she passed it along to the person who does the buying and actually makes decisions about that so hopefully hopefully the fine people in uh, hopefully we're getting a new library of things yeah yeah in uh in Bakersfield california it can <laughs> it can enjoy that Is't that where the largest McDonald's is I think so and there's the the big thermometer
0: Is that Bakersfield too
1: no that's no, not that's Baker that's just Baker. Yeah, yeah. This is
0: Baker, California.
1: You know, I should check if it's actually Bakersfield because Brandon listens to this podcast and he pays us money, so I should not screw up his uh his Yeah, you're going to want to go
0: ahead and check that out right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you for the Patreon support, Brandon. Uh, yeah, it's Bakersfield. Although they live in Tehachapi, but it's that whole county she works at. So yeah, yeah, hopefully they can start getting together a library of things. Now it, that, that is definitely one of those services that library services that is really puts you on the people's radar as is like, you know, cause there's always that question of like, what are libraries good for? And yeah, the library things is like, you can't do that anywhere else. Where else are you going to get board games or you, you, cake pans? You, you cake just pans set shopping. me
0: up and I almost had a war reference. Like how dare you? Cause I couldn't make the war reference cause that wouldn't have been fair to the library
1: <laughs> cause they're really good for a lot of things yeah you could have got you could have not given cujo money. you could have gone and picked up the d v d from your local library, Jonathan. You have no excuse man you supported that movie Jonathan it, let it's that, been
0: like three weeks since the last time i I left my street.
1: You could literally walk there, Jonathan. It's not even that far from your house. I could, but I mean it's Texas, so you won't but it's like nine
0: hundred and eighty five degrees outside right now, yeah. Dude, we're at like ninety-seven percent humidity. Oh, oh my god, it's freaking lovely. It's
1: just a little shade of Hades outside. So, what else were we talking about? Uh, oh, I'd watched Bumblebee, which was surprisingly good. I was playing Fall Guys. Apparently, figurines of adorable power. So, your 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 gif. Uh, no time to bond was. Where is it? Uh, no time to bond was. I didn't put the movie in on accident. Whoops. Oh, we watched Goldeneye. Sweet. I like Goldeneye. One of the one of the the highlights of the no time to Bond. Yeah. And oh, I watched The Big Bus and Until the End of the World, which Until the End of the World was a friggin' train wreck. Uh that's something (laughs) that's like an achievement unlocked right there. Let me tell you, let me tell you, let me tell you. You
0: watched that and now you've watched Cujo, like, how much worse is Cujo?
1: (sighs) Okay, Until the End of the World is better but <laughs> ninety minutes. <laughs> Coug- nope, there's no need for anything else. Do you remember how long the director's cut of until the end of the world was that I watched? Do you remember? Uh, it was a, it
0: was a, like, someone godly of 14 or 15
1: hours or something? It, w- it was 10 hours. It was 10 hours. And yeah, I had absolutely no reason to be that long. So I think I'd rather watch Cujo between the two because then the pain would be over faster.
0: <laughs> That's true. That's true. You Just rip the bandaid out. off. <laughs> but oh my God, that bandaid was made with duct tape.
1: yes it was so when you ripped
0: it off it tore off the first 10 layers of skin
1: Yeah. what you don't
0: realize is that you're actually the character in a Stephen King book and Cujo was the torture (laughs) sadly a better plot than that movie just saying I just improved the movie
1: Yeah. oh you're watching Raised by Wolves fun oh man Uh, where's
0: the second season of that why isn't that out yet what a messed up show have you seen it no, I haven't watched it yet. Oh my god, man. You really need to. Like, it's crazy. It's cuckoo banana pants. But it's also really good science fiction. I would like to know where this expression cuckoo banana pants came from. <laughs> but I could really get behind it. Like I'm really I'm passionate about cuckoo banana pants. Jonathan, you have the
1: internet at your fingertips. Well, Chuck Wendig yeah. said
0: it. <laughs> well that brings us to the end of our year in the Life segment which means it is break time and when we return we will be deep diving dune we love getting feedback so please let us know how we're doing by one
1: of the following you can become our patron over at patreon search for forgot my dice We also have a Discord page where we organize games and chat about all sorts of stuff. Find the link on our website, ForgotMyDice.com. You can also message us or tweet at us on the Twitters. Find us at ForgotMyDice. And of course, you can email us at fmdpodcast2016 at gmail.com. Or you can head on over to our website, ForgotMyDice.com, where all of our episodes are available, plus game reviews and other content. If you like the show, the best way for more people to find out about us is to give us a review on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or Stitcher. Last of you, for those of you listening in the village, call the operator, give your number, and ask for us to be put on the rotation. Robert, this this needs to stop. Listen, I'll I'll make you a deal. I will not make any deals with you. I will not be pushed, filed, stamped, indexed, briefed, debriefed, or numbered. My life is my own. Ah. Yeah, I'm going to cut his cord.
0: And welcome back for the break. It is now time for our deep dive. And today we go to the desert
1: world of Arrakis in Dune. Imagine you could control the forces of a noble family, guild, or religious order on a barren planet, which is the only source for the most valuable substance known in the universe. Imagine you can rewrite the script for one of the most famous science fiction books of all time. Welcome to the acclaimed 40-year-old game which allows you to recreate the incredible world of Frank Herbert's Dune. Who will control Arrakis? Become one of the characters and their forces from the book and you decide! All right, so I'm glad that you you,
0: you chose that particular intro text because it is important to note that this is not a new game. This is a reprint of a game that has been out of print for a long, long time. Uh, it was out of print for almost 30 years, as I understand it.
1: Yeah, yeah, quite a while, quite a while.
0: And so it's a new game to us because a lot of us have never had a chance to play it. But I actually have, uh, which is why I was so excited when this reprint was announced.
1: Not that it is exactly a reprint, because I heard they tweaked it to make well, it to yeah, fix I'll, some stuff.
0: i I'll, I'll get to that.
1: I'll get to okay. that. Oh, you actually know what they fixed? I was going to ask. OK, good. Good to know. Good to know.
0: This isn't going to be like our normal reviews because you can't approach Dune the way you would a normal game. This is a 40-year-old game, and as such, it uses some old-school rule sets, which really aren't present anymore in games. Games are now about making that first impression and getting you engaged and getting you uh, up to speed really quick. And and Dune, and this is one of the greatest things about it. it, it is one of the, the slow burn games where the first couple times that you play it, It takes a little bit to rear up. And then before you realize it, you're in the thick of it and you're finding out what's just so damn good about it. The other thing that you need to know about Dune going into this review is that the first 10 to 15 times that you play it, you're going to screw up. You're going to screw up a lot. But unlike games where you screw up and you don't know how you got yourself into this predicament, you can look at Dune and you can look at every choice that you've made across the duration of the game and you can see exactly. Where you went wrong and you can see exactly what you need to do differently the next time and a big part of the reason why dune takes so long to master and it is a mastery i mean this is think of this as a collegiate level master's program uh and 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 the reason it takes forever to really get good at it is because there's so much asymmetry in this game and there are so many different little mechanisms at work and there are so many nuances and there's just no way to learn this in, in two or three plays. This is a game that you can spend the rest of your life playing once a month, twice a month, and, and you'll only really be good at the end of your life. There's that much depth here. So kind of know that going into it. This is not we're not going to be able to go into the nitty gritty of the rule set because the rule set has all kinds of little quirks and nuances associated with every every one of the nine different steps of the rules so we're going to look at things at a very high level and the other thing that you need to know about dune is that the the version of dune that's that's being sold by Gale force 9 is actually two games in one you get the base game uh, and the base rule set which is very similar to the rule set of the original with a couple of little things ironed out uh, specifically uh, putting a round cap on it uh, the original game did not have a round cap, and it could go on, I mean, literally forever if you had really good players. Uh, and the other thing that it, uh, and, and there, there's a bunch of little kind of polishes here and there, little, little nuances that have been made better uh, that don't really change the flow of the game. The other thing that you get in the box is a couple of other decks of cards and a couple of other things that you will not use in the basic rule set because they are part of the collection of House rules and unofficial expansions that the the dune players have created over the past 25 years and they are some of them phenomenal i would even call some of them once you've learned the base game essential but i would never suggest that you start with them because they really if you think that the game has a lot of nuance and 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 fiddliness in the base form you start adding in these other rules and you're just going to be lost. So start with the base game. So you with me so far, Robert? Yeah, I'm with you so far. There are nine steps in any given round of Dune. And the first thing we need to talk about is the board. And when you put the board out, it's it's a big circular planet board and it's uh, uh, chopped up into slices of a pie, right? And each one of those slices of the pie is important because that is uh, going to be part of your storm track, which we'll talk about in a little bit. The other thing that you'll see on the board are three different colored uh, spaces. Some of them are relatively light yellow, and they are wide open, and that is just sand, because Dune is a desert planet, and there is a metric ton of sand. Uh, the next Jonathan, section can are, I s can
1: I stop you right there for a second? Yeah. Did I tell you I found Arrakis today on Stellaris? <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, 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 desert planet, and it had a couple of quests associated with it. Nothing... Nothing too on point, or although there's a lot of random events, so maybe they have ones that are more direct comparisons. But yeah, I I just thought it was funny. I, I colonize it and I mine it now, <laughs> or I didn't colonize it. It's mine now. Yeah.
0: <laughs> the second thing that you'll see a lot of uh, on the board game or on the board, the second largest quantity of things are darker brown spaces, and those represent rocks. And rocks are important because rocks can help protect you from the the sandstorm that that is going around the board. And then the third thing you'll see are, are the darkest brown um, spots, and there are very few of these, and these are the cities. And the cities are actually what you do when you are trying to win the game. The first player to control three of those cities uh, simultaneously will win the game. But that's not the only way to win.
1: How many, how many cities are there? I'm seeing... There are five. Five? Yeah, Okay. So
0: once again, we're going to go through the nine phases, but we're not going to go in depth into any one phase, because like I said, there's a lot of nuance to each of these phases. So I want to give you an overview of how the game plays and an understanding of what makes it so so damn special, because it really is. So the first thing that happens is the storm phase. There's a marker that goes on the outside of the ring uh, that represents this storm. And this storm is deadly. There's a way that you move the storm and and it utilizes the combat wheels uh, that we'll talk about in a little while. But basically, that gives you a total movement and the storm can start sweeping around the map very rapidly. And anything that it touches, any space that it goes over, unless they have sought shelter in rocks, uh, it's going to wipe out any army it touches. So, I mean, that's lesson number one of Dune. Wholesale Slaughter is the name of the game. And it's going to happen a lot, and you need to get used to it. Don't get attached to any army, because it's probably not going to live long. The next phase is the Spice Blow and Nexus phase. So the Spice Blow is a deck of cards called the Spice Deck, and you turn it over, and it shows how much spice is going on what highlighted territory. This is also where Shai Hulud uh, lives, and Shai Hulud, of course, is the worm. And if the worm appears during the Spice Blow phase, um, then a Nexus occurs. And Nexus events are a key moment in Dune because that is when you get to make and break alliances. Alliances, I mean, if you've ever read the book, even if you've seen the movie, you understand that politics is a, a major portion of this world, and alliances are what make the wor- this game really hum and tick. Because you can you can make arrangements with any other player at the table, and you basically align with each other to help each other out and the only time that you can break that alliance is at the end uh at, at when another nexus event happens otherwise you're kind of tied together and when these nexus events come up and you have an opportunity to break your alliance and jump in with another player because the board state has changed so radically from the first time that you had a nexus event this is when the jaws drop the betrayals happen and this is why Dune is widely known as one of those games where where people could lose relationships over (laughs) because backstabbing is a major part of dune um and it's a major part of the universe too right if you've read the book you'll know that that lies deceit deception these are normal parts of the dune universe the next phase is the charity phase And basically that's because spice is the economy of the game. And it is perhaps one of the most interesting economies uh, I've ever seen in a game because there are so many levels to this economy. And, you know, spice is the the, the key to it. Spice is the the currency, so to speak. You use it to bring out soldiers when you are um, dropping soldiers in for battle. Uh, You use it for just about everything in the game. And the really interesting thing about spice in this game is that whenever spice is paid for a service, you don't pay it to a bank. You pay it to another player. For instance, if you want to bring troops down from orbit, then you need to pay your spice to the Spacing Guild. And the Spacing Guild is going to be another player. Are you buying something in the game? Uh, Then you're going to pay the Emperor because the emperor controls money. And so the entire game, you're going to be basically helping other players by helping yourself, but that could turn on you at any given moment. And that's one of the reasons why the, the spice economy is so very interesting in this game. Now, the charity phase is for people that have zero or only one spice, and they get to, to claim charity, and they get a, a couple spices, a, 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 a token way to keep them going in the game. Then we get to the bidding phase, and this is where you will have an opportunity to buy treachery cards, and this is where we start to talk about the factions and the asymmetry of the factions. The treachery cards are particularly devious cards that basically allow you to break the rules of the game for your own benefit, but you don't get to know what you're bidding on. The treachery cards are bid on face down. So first you have to determine how many players are allowed to bid in the bidding phase, and that is determined by um, who is under the hand limit of four treachery cards, unless you're playing as the Harkonnen because the Harkonnen are mean and nasty and they get to hold more treachery. So if you're underneath that limit, the dealer, uh, as determined by the game, will uh, deal one treachery card face down per, e- per player that's allowed to bid. And you start to bid on these guys while they're face down. Unless, of course, you happen to be the Harkonnen and you know exactly what... Um, is it the Harkonnen or the Atreides that knows the treachery? Let me see. Oh, uh, let's see. No, the Harkonnen gets more treachery and the Atreides get to know what the treachery is. And the Atreides player actually gets to take notes as well. And is the only player in the game that's allowed to take notes. So they will know who is carrying what card. Which is dirty, nasty, right? Yeah. But... At any time, they can sell that information, which is insane in and of itself. Um, and, And this is where you start to see kind of like the little nuances of Dune really kind of start to slide in. It should be said that this game is not perfect. And part of the reason it's not perfect is because it is so beholden to the original novel. But that being said, that's also one of its greatest strengths because it captures the flavor of the universe in such an accurate way. The bidding phase is really interesting. You're going to use spice to bid and you pay the emperor for those bids. If you win a card and you do not get to see what you got until after the auction is over. And there's a good chance that you will win. There's an actual card with a donkey on it. And that's what you won. Nothing. You won nothing. (laughs) You paid spice for nothing. You paid spice to an enemy player for nothing. And that, in and of itself, should be very telling of, of the different layers of what's happening in Dune. So, after that, we have the Revival Phase. And in the Revival Phase, any forces that were killed in previous rounds, or any forces that were uh, killed by the storm, are sent to the Tle- Tleilaxu tanks. And basically, you get to revive a certain number of forces from those tanks, and that can be very faction-specific. So keep that in mind. After that is the shipment and movement phase. And here's the thing. Each player only gets to make one move per turn. And that makes the move very, very, very important. So uh, each player in the movement phase gets to um, decide if they're going to want to bring forces down to the planet, or they they can then move their forces on the game board, but only once. After that is the battle phase, and battles in this game are another level. It's like a whole other mini game within the game, uh, and that's just battles. So there's these big wheels, right? And the wheels uh, indicate how many forces uh, you are dedicating to this battle, and you have to have tokens on the board equaling that. Now. There's a whole another thing called advanced combat that I would urge you not to get into until one or two games into it, because in advanced combat you're going to be having to do some math, and it's it's there's the you know some some combat forces count as only half, some count as the full amount. It's it's a whole thing, uh, but basically ba- you'll you'll have a certain number of ba- uh, of your dudes on the map. You'll take your combat counter and you'll set it to a number, uh, and that's how many of those dudes are you're sending into combat you're capped out by how many dudes you have on the map. And then on top of it, you take one of your leaders and you have five leaders and you pop their chip into the combat counter. And that leader will also have a numerical value on it. And then the person with the highest number wins the battle. Now you're probably saying, well, that's actually pretty straightforward and easy, right? Yeah. Wrong. This is Dune. nothing is straightforward and easy because guess what? (laughs) That leader that you popped in. One of the things that the Harkonnens do is they get traitors and there are a lot of traders in dune everybody gets to pick a single trader card the harkonens get to pick four trader cards and if that trader happens to be the leader of the forces that you popped into your 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 battle wheel there's a good chance that your that battle is going to be lost and you're going to lose all of your forces on that 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 space oh but wait there's more because along with the the battle wheel and the the leader that you've popped in there, you also have the ability to play cards. And you can play weapon cards, and you can also play defensive cards. There's several different weapons in the game. There's the the laser blaster. uh, There's the knife. And then there's also other cards, like personal shields and whatnot. So if you have a straight slug thrower, it's going to bounce off the personal shield, and you can actually cancel out somebody's uh, attack. Now what happens in dune when you use
1: the laser gun
0: against a shield do you remember
1: a laser gun yes uh i thought it just bounced off i thought i thought they reacted poorly to radiation if i remember correctly no
0: lasers when you shoot them at a shield create a nuclear explosion oh yeah so fun fact if you play a laser gun and your opponent has a shield on everybody dies Because there's been a thermonuclear explosion. And the worst part is, you also lose your card for your laser cannon. That's gone now, too. (laughs) So, as you can see, battle works on several different levels, and there's several different mechanisms that you're pulling and pushing, and any one of them might betray you at any given time. But that's Dune. After battles is the spice harvest phase. And spice, being the most important thing on the planet, and the reason you're all there, is what people are going to be fighting over the most. So if your forces are in a territory that contains spice, you get to collect the spice. So that's what's causing a lot of the conflict on the on the planet, is you're chasing down spice. Because, of course, spice powers the entire economy. Can you get yourself into a situation where you don't have spice and you're basically stalled out? Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, another reason why maybe you want to make an alliance with another player. Next is the final phase, and that is the menti- Mentat Pause phase. And this is when you get an opportunity to, to, to look and see if anybody has triggered the win solution. And if they have, then you can declare a winner and you're done. Uh, otherwise, you move the turn counter to the next turn and you start all over again. So there's a lot to unpack here, right? Now, I've played this game maybe a dozen times over my life, and I have played as one faction maybe half of those times. And I can tell you with great assurance i still make a ton of mistakes i still have a lot to learn and yet every time i play dune it's one of the most amazing experiences i've ever had
1: and every faction has little wrinkles that they can throw into like every step oh my god
0: yeah like i said we're not going into the nitty-gritty of the rules here because there's so much to unpack so much so so much we could talk about the tra- I mean, you could you could write a master's thesis just on the treachery cards in this game. Let alone the fact that there's what I think fifteen factions in the box or some ungodly.
1: <laughs> I only saw six. I was flipping through the rule book. I didn't see that many. Maybe they didn't have. A- hold on, hold on. Oh, there's a lot of there's a lot of factions.
0: I also have the the expansion, so I might have more. And I'm just thinking of that. Hmm. Did we haven't even talked about like the. The, the way that like here's a here's a perfect example of of how different a a faction can be from another faction the benny jeserits they get their own deck of cards and that's like the prediction cards and they get to predict um a faction and a round in which a win occurs and if they're right then they win and everybody else loses even if the other person won the game legit <laughs> all right because of the benny G- benny jeserits and that's just what they do
1: all right, Jonathan. So speaking of the rule book, how is the rule book?
0: This is a really tough question to answer, Robert. Uh, and it's a tough question because of the density of Dune. It's as good as it can be, which is to say that there is so much packed into that rule book and so many little nuances that you are bound to screw up. Uh, that being said, I think it does a pretty darn good job. It does a really good job of breaking down the individual phases. Um, the difficulty is just remembering all these little nuances and remembering where to look for them. It's tough, you know. But I also don't know how else you could approach this unless you used like a digital rule book with a search
1: function. So it's that complicated. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it.
0: On paper, it looks reasonably easy to to get into, but there is just there are so many little details that you could manipulate.
1: You went, well, yeah, I mean, it, I guess the cards are the thing that sh- shakes it up because, yeah, the rulebook itself is only like 24 pages. It doesn't look like. Yeah, because the, the core
0: rules are are, are reasonably straightforward. It, it's just that there's so many different layers that can activate a nuance. And then when you combine that with the, the nuances of the cards and the nuances of the treachery and the nuances of, of, of your faction, it's just it's never ending.
1: All right. So how are the components of this version of the game? I've been seeing a lot of talk on uh, the board game geek that this version is very nice because the board apparently is larger. And then somebody went and made a playmat out of it and it like took up the entire table, which is kind of awesome.
0: The, the thing about Dune is that like large battles are very commonplace where you'll have 15 to 20 tokens on any given territory. And so the larger board compared to the original uh, is a huge, huge win. That being said it's i mean like they're not charging you an arm and a leg for this they could have easily made this a gigantic like super minis 300 hundred dollar package and they didn't they they give you cardboard tokens and they made this super super approachable um and i actually really respect them for that decision because it means that more people will play it so um in terms of the printing the printing is gorgeous everything is gorgeous uh the cuts are good and the graphic design is actually one of the highlights of this version of the game. It, it far exceeds the original. Uh, with one key element kind of being pointed out, that there's not a lot of diversity in the uh, art for the different uh, players and factions. And that's a big miss. Because if there's one thing that Dune's about, it's it's diversity. And it's,
1: it's sad that that's not represented uh, in some of the player art. Well, you jumped ahead. Is there anything else off in the execution, then Jonathan or is it just the player art
0: no there's there's nothing else off um this is like it, this is a supremely good edition of this game, and it's it's very good to look at and it's very well constructed and the changes they made are all smart and including the advanced rules was another good idea. I just hope that a lot of people play it and get comfortable enough with the game that they have an opportunity to try them because they really do change the game very dramatically.
1: Okay, and so here's the interesting question. You said there's like a billion factions in this. What is the recommended player count? All right. So are you asking me what's printed on the box or are you asking me what 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 I think is necessary? Uh, What you think is necessary, because that's what this question always is.
0: This box commits the cardinal sin, the same one that we've talked about in other reviews, in that it says that you can do this game with two and three players. Can you? Sure. I I heard one review of the game that likened this to, can you play poker with with one other player? Yes, but does that make it a good poker game? No, you're playing against one other player. This game does not work with two players. It does not really work with three. Where this game excels is when you have four, five, or six players. Really, truly. That's when this game is, is just
1: at its best. All right, Jonathan. If you had to tell our listeners one last thing about this game, what would it be? This is the heaviest game we've ever reviewed. And I don't want that to scare me. You people. know what? You know how I can tell this is the heaviest game we've ever reviewed? Because you've barely gone into any specifics about it, and we're at 28 minutes of recording.
0: Yeah, because we can't. I mean, like, you could write a collegiate level course that lasted a semester just exploring the intricacies of this rule set. This is the heaviest game I've ever played, and not by a small margin. Like, this is heavy. It's also the single greatest achievement in taking a license and adapting it to a, a, a game. And not only doing a good job of capturing the flavor of it, but also capturing what makes this property special and resonate with people. It's all there. The politics, the intricacies, the betrayals, the the, the rampant lying. It's all there. and And every time I play this game, I discover some new nuance that I didn't realize was there before. And I'm just taken aback as to how deep this game is. It's just, it's a phenomenal work. There's a reason that it's still around after 40 years. And this is, this is the best edition that's ever been printed.
1: I meant to ask you, could you go over real quick? What are the differences between this edition and the previous ones?
0: Um, I mean, a lot of really positive moves, uh, with art and just general user experience especially with iconography like the the iconography before was really difficult like it used solid late 70s early 80s graphic design which is to say that it looked like hot garbage that had been attached to other hot garbage and melted together into an ultimate pile of hot garbage we'd have to go into a lot of the nuances of the rules to understand like some of the things that they polished the biggest thing that they changed was they put a round counter on it and that's a really big change. Which is not to say that you're always going to get to the end, by the way, because I've seen Dune end after three rounds. <laughs> like, it's one of those games where it's either going to take two days or it's going to take an hour. Like, there's, there's no in-between. <laughs> and this is a game, this is one of those games where it's like Twilight Imperium. You plan for this game. You get a couple people on board. You, you all take a day off of work. And, and this, is, this is your activity for the day. And maybe the night, too.
1: All right. Well, that is Dune by Gale Force Nine. Buy the game. Buy the expansion. We didn't even go into the expansion. Don't go into the expansion. We don't have time. We're way over time.
0: Exp- or six factions in the core, two more in the expansion. And then when you, like, factor in all the extra, like, little cards and stuff that come with certain cards at once, that's why it makes it seem like there's just so many. So many. Play this game with high numbers of people like that's the best advice I can give you play it with people that are open-minded and not afraid to get stabbed in the back and not hold it against you this game is like I don't I don't even know how to explain how how well textured and how well nuanced it is and this is just it's a triumph of a game that being said know what you're getting yourself into because it is also a monumental mountain to climb And there is a huge, huge learning curve. But it's so worth your investment in time. All right, well, that brings us to the end of Forgot My Dice episode number 115. And once again, join us on all of our digital domains. By far the most popular as of late continues to be our Discord channel. And before that, Robert, any final thoughts?
1: So I was reading and watching all these various versions of Hill House and all that And the thing I noticed, which is given I haven't read a lot of like haunted house role playing games, the only ones I see that get it right are the the ones that get in common with the good ghost stories, which is to say it's usually not ghosts that are the problem. It's usually the building, you know, because the the house is the problem, like the, the haunting of, you know, Bly Manor and Hill House, like Hill House and Bly Manor are the problem. It's not really the ghosts that are the problem. The ghosts are like, you know, a symptom of the problem. And to an extent, like, Poltergeist was the same way and, and all of that. And it's like, yeah, it just got me thinking about, you know, good haunted house stories. It's not the ghost that's the problem. It's the house. So, yeah, I don't know. Do with that what you will. I've just been kind of mulling that over in my brain for the last couple of days. Makes me think of Ghostbusters, you know?
0: Oh, man. There's another one of the finished movies that I'm dying to see.
1: It's not, the problem's not the girl. It's the building, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I really want to play that Ghostbusters video game. I, I keep waiting for it to go on sale so I can just get it, because, yeah, they made that re-release for the PS4, and it's like, I'm not going to pay $30 for it. It's really, really old, but I'll pay like 10 or 15 Just come out, damn it.
0: It's fun. It's like an unofficial sequel.
1: Yeah, well, I don't, I'm curious how... Maybe it won't be completely unofficial. Maybe they'll cop two parts of it in the new movie. Who knows? Who knows? Anyway. Sorry. There we go. I'm done. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of the episode. The only one
0: thing to say, Robert, and that is to be excellent to one another and party on.
1: Party on, Jonathan. The music you heard in this podcast was intro by Elifiel. Additional music was provided by Brian Winkleman. Funding for the Forgot My Dice podcast was provided by our supporters on Patreon. Thank you.